film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the indie film sucks podcast. Yeah. to you from the mean streets of St. <laughs> Louis, from a basement on South Broadway, the Indie Film Sucks podcast, because Indie Film Sucks, and we love it so. What's your suck, Chris? Uh, what, today, or in general? In general. <laughs> let's, uh, keep, let's keep it independent film. I know, uh, I know your foot sucks. I'm not going to bring up my foot. I sprained my ankle three months ago, and I'm in a boot. That sucks. That's my suck. <laughs> What's your suck, Brock? How long it takes to make an independent film from beginning to the end product. That sucks for everybody. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's long. People are always asking, hey, didn't you shoot a movie like not too long ago? Yeah, about a year ago we wrapped it up. Oh, where can I see it? Oh, yeah, it's it's um, it's um, coming to you soon. Yeah, that's independent oh, film tax time. Can, where can <laughs> we see it? You know, we'll let you know. Yeah, that is the other shitty thing is... When people ask, hey, when can I see your movie? And then they never watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another suck. Yeah. yeah, that's another suck. Hey, if this is your first time listening to us, we're uh, the Indie Film, Film Sucks podcast, <laughs> people. And uh, we're just here to talk about independent film, your grind, and what sucks about it for you. Because we know you love it. We know you wouldn't be doing it unless you loved it. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to take you on a journey about what we're doing, our experience, and how we are. So this is episode number two. Number two. Maybe we should let the people know how we got into this, huh? Yeah, Greg, why don't you start off? That's a, uh, that's a fair fair story. So how I got into independent filmmaking initially. Back in 1999, that's, that's when I started. Uh, so my best friend and I, we used to make movies with camcorders. Uh, spoiler alert, this story's going to suck. We, we uh, uh, used to make like... Uh, Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones movies and Kung Fu movies and all this sorts of stuff. And this is back in the 90s on VHS. And uh, he made real films with another guy that we went to high school with by the name Eric Stanzi. Eric Stanzi of Wicked Pixel Cinema. I like your uh, voice that you get there. <laughs> yeah. It's not the Stanzi, this is the Stanzi voice. There you go. Yeah. That was I mean, your you radio Stanzi, voice. This is, that was my radio voice, <laughs> but this is the Stanzi voice. Anyway, so so my friend Tom made movies with, with Eric, and he always tried to get me involved uh, working on real movies, because Eric was a horror filmmaker. And I was just screwing around with camcorders, like, ah, you know, it's a lot of... It's a lot of work, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of bullshit. Uh, I don't really want to do that. I just want to have fun. I just want to fuck around. So uh, he tried for years to convince me to, you know, come on a real set and, and you know, work on a real film because Eric was really serious about this stuff. And I always put him off and said, nah, I don't, I don't, I just want to have fun. So uh, he finally convinced me to act in a film that he directed so tom directed it and stanzi and i acted in it and this was like 1996 and i played like some vietnam veteran guy and stanzi was like a ghost and there was this whole thing where i was homeless and this and that and the other and it was a, like a three-day shoot it was like a serious short film it wasn't just us screwing around and after we we finished that 
my friend Tom says, man, do you got the bug now? I mean, is this what you want to do? Wasn't that awesome? I was like, ah, you know, it was cold and it took a long time. And, you know, I mean, it was okay. But You were such a pussy. Yeah. I was like, ah. Did you say, this sucks. Kind of. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, yeah, it was fun, but it's like, I don't want to do this, like, for a real thing. Because it sucks. So uh, a couple years later, he, uh, my friend Tom, was working as a uh, counselor at a summer camp in uh, Minnesota, I think it was. Minnesota or Wisconsin. I think one or the other. And he was making a documentary about his experience. Because, you know, in addition to narrative film, he also made documentary film and all sorts of stuff. He just loved film. He loved filmmaking. And he tried to get me to love it as much as he did. And I, I just thought it was a fun thing. So he's making this documentary, right? And one day, uh, he's out shooting. And he was on a trailer being pulled by a truck. And the truck stops. And he goes to jump off the trailer. And he tripped. So rather than catch himself, he was holding the camera. He cradled the camera in his arms. And he fell and he hit his head on the curb. And uh, he was brain dead. So he died. Two days later, took him off life support. This was 1999. So he was 26 years old. I was 27 years old. And, and that singular event changed everything for me. Because I realized uh, at that point in time that there are no guarantees. Life is extremely short. And if there's something that you want to do, you need to go for it because you might not get tomorrow. And, you know, I always took comfort in the fact that he died doing what he loved doing. Like, literally, that's what he loved doing. And, uh, you know, I, I guess in some ways you couldn't ask for a better ending than that. And I've always wondered what he would think about where I'm at today. So when that happened, a month later, I started on my real first real short film and uh haven't stopped since so it's been 24 years damn dude i've i've heard that story so many times from you at different events or you know when you're yeah and it sucks it, every time you it, hear it. It, it does it really does i know the ending and i know what's going to happen mm-hmm. and just um i man i just i, yeah. want, I just wanted to be different one of these right it's, it's, it's not gonna be honest to and, god no, no bullshit. It always yeah. hurts a little bit to yeah. say that. Oh, yeah. I, no, I always, it's honest. That's. I always wonder what would Tom think about what I'm doing now. But I think you're a fucking fool. <laughs> Look at this guy. Probably. What's, yeah, exactly. What's he doing? This, I, like, <laughs> this fucker hasn't learned yet. Right. I died doing it, and here I you know. are. So it's gonna kill you. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Definitely. It's the slow death. He almost gave me a heart attack. That's true. That's another story. Yeah, we'll save that one. But no, I mean, Costanzi is is still hammering away yeah. film. And he's very successful at what he does. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a hell of a guy. We'll get Stanzi on. Yeah, we'll get that fucker on here. Stanzi was our cinematographer in the last film, and it was an honor to uh, to work with him. So how do you go from that, right, to making your first short, to having a passion now, right, to getting six featured, right? All Everything else that's happened, like, how do you, how do you, how do you go through that evolution and that journey part of it? That That's... That's what's crazy, right? That's because most people would quit. Well, yeah. right. Somewhere in between there in that time frame, most people would quit. I bet you I could answer that for them. It would suck more to not do it. That's what it is. Yeah. 
That's what I always ask. I myself. mean, you keep coming back. I keep coming I back, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my... I have to sleep with him every damn time. I know. <laughs> you, I told you, you must have stopped doing that when to I the, came on board. The contract. <laughs> like, God, Chris, that's, that's how I think of it. it. It would suck more not to do it than to actually go through it and have it suck along the way. I can get through that suck, but not doing it, man, go ahead and wake up and look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I had that very same conversation with my girlfriend. She asked me that same thing. She said, would it be worse not making a movie than it would be to make a movie and not have it do what you want? I'm like, yeah, it'd be worse to not do it. <laughs> right, what about you, Brock? How did you get into... Uh... Oh, me? Yeah. Well, um, it's not quite the story you have. No. It's quite the opposite, actually. So I knew Wait, in high school... Birth to somebody? <laughs> I knew in high school that um, I wanted to do something different than everyone else. I wasn't good enough to be a collegiate athlete like I wanted to be. just wasn't there, not even close. But I started looking into acting about my junior year in high school. And I had a substitute teacher come in, and and, uh, she kind of put on a real quick one-act play in front of the whole class, she was, I forget, she read some type of eulogy. It wasn't a real eulogy, but it was written about um, a kid who had passed away and he's looking down on himself and talking to his family and friends and realizing he made a mistake, that he shouldn't have done some of the things he did in life and he can't take it back. And she's, she's in the beginning, in front of the classroom doing this. I was like, holy shit, this is some powerful. Very powerful stuff. That was my junior year, and I, I, I kind of caught my attention. But I was a jock in high school, so I couldn't really do a theater, too, right? And theater <laughs> really wasn't my thing anyhow. To be, I did some, but uh, years go by, and I waited till after I graduated high school, and I got into uh, uh, some theater classes at a community college and some filmmaking classes at a community college. And uh, I didn't know if I really wanted to go for it, and then one night, uh, I was watching TV with my dad, and uh, Baywatch happened to be on. <laughs> this is back in the late 90s, okay? So I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, my dad was in the Navy uh, during the latter parts of uh, uh, Vietnam, and I knew he was a world traveler. So I said, Dad, you've been around the world a couple times, I think three times. You've been to all these places. He goes, yeah, I have. I said, Dad, you've been to all these places. Where do you see women like this? And he looked at me and patted my shoulder like that, gave me a shitty and grin smile. He goes, you know what, son? I have been around the world. He started naming all the places he'd been. It took like two minutes, you know. And I have seen women like that. The only place I've seen women like that is right there on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hot damn, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> so that kind of got me into it and uh honestly and then also really watching tv watching the outtakes of like roseanne and at the end of the show they'd have the outtakes of mm. how much fun they're having they're just having it's a, it was a good show back then and it was just so fun for them to get paid to do what they love and mm. having fun with their friends it's like yeah, this just looks like the way to go i i went to a high school where it was cool to be in acting and in sports that doesn't exist. so it, it did in my school we had a really cool drama uh teacher and just he really encouraged it and everybody was encouraged to kind of mingle and 
do different things. So anyway, so I was a stage actor for years in high school, a little bit in college, and then just did a little bit outside of that and uh, knew a lot of the directors around St. Louis and was able to kind of do things into into my 20s. And then I took like a huge, huge step away as I went off and did other things, uh, you know, got my degree or was working and that kind of stuff. And then one day out of the blue, old buddy of ours, <laughs> Randy Art. Randy Art. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't know if he called you or he, he asked me, oh yeah, he goes, hey, we're doing this thing called 48 Hour Film Festival. He goes, we need, we need people to come out. He goes, you want to come out and play around a little bit? He goes, he goes, you like this stuff? And I go, yeah, I've never done that. I was just at a time in my life where I had some extra time and I'm like, I'll come out. I've never been on a movie set. I'll come out and... <laughs> Sure enough, I no, I was I was really for not knowing. I was really impressed with we had hair and makeup, and we had you know what forty people running. I mean, there was a lot of people on that. Vu Mame is, yeah. is the one I came out on. I will Man. tell you the Go most ahead. impressive thing about you the first time I saw you on that set was the fact that you brought a book with you. <laughs> My brain, he was like, <laughs> and I was like, man, this guy just gets it. He knows it's gonna be a long haul. Yeah, he yeah. brought a book and he sat in a chair and yeah. But Randy's smart because he said, hey, if you show up, you got to stay till you know this is the way it is. Forty, you got forty eight hours to really write, direct, and and shoot this thing and turn it in on Sunday night, right? So he goes, I don't know how long we're gonna shoot, and I said, cool, I'm in for a long haul. But if if you knew Greg at the time, if you dedicated something to him, he dedicated something back to you. So as people fell off, like they do, because yeah. they didn't know what they were getting into and they thought it was cool, um, I got a line. And I was out there for a little bit, and then I got something else, and then I was doing something else. And it was, so I, I was hooked with the – and I was like, what? I don't have to memorize all my lines and do this live? What? I could screw up and you could do different takes? I was just like, this is way different than stage acting. Yeah. I go, this is awesome. But I didn't get that feedback, right? Yeah. That's that's the part I was missing, and I didn't understand the angles, and I didn't understand that you didn't shoot it in order, and I there's all these things I didn't understand. But I was like, okay, that I go, that was pretty cool. The people were cool. Everybody stuck together. And then when we saw the final product, didn't think twice about doing anything else, you know, as far as movies concerned. Maybe was going to try to jump into something. I didn't know what I was going to do. Just knew I loved it. Loved being out there on set. Um, and then what? R Rhineland? Rhineland, Rhineland was next Rhineland. year. No, Rhineland. Rhineland was later that year. Yeah. So uh, we'll tell the story later, but something to do with we had a ton of World War II stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we... Uh, Dumbest idea yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, I had time in my life. No, I did too. Great. But it was kind of, <laughs> it was one of these things where, and this is what, this is how I really got into it with being with 88 and, and doing... Uh, uh, more projects with you until I finally became, you know, part of the company mm -hmm. was uh, being on the set of, of Rhineland and just seeing how, you know, it was put together. I was an actor, didn't understand a lot about what was going on, but I got the bug three seasons later, three years later, if you want to put it that way, um, still doing it. And then, you know, got bigger parts with you as an actor, was able to, you know, stretch my legs a little bit, learned more about what it took to be on set. And then, it really took a few years off. Uh, came helped you out a little bit on some stuff. Yeah. Um, but then when you guys decided to take this company to the next level and brought me in as a producer and stuff, uh, that's really where now I can't get enough of it. Really, from that standpoint of it, I'm learning still a lot. But it's kind of kind of where I'm at. Still love the stage act, but man, you can't beat the movies. It's fun. Can't. It is fun. It is. Yeah, I've done some stage directing. 
because uh, there's a there's a similar thing in town that some other friends of ours run. It's called the 724 yeah. uh, Play Festival, basically, and it's like a 48 hour, except it's with theater where you you have 14 writers, seven directors. They make seven plays in 24 hours that go up, which is you know it's it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. But beyond that, I've never really been a big theater guy. Like in high school, uh, I wasn't a jock or a theater kid. I was a dropout, basically. Uh, <laughs> I was a non-participant. Yeah, in, but I don't even know in today in schools, do they have film? And I know high schools are so vast now, and they have all. Do they have film classes in high school? Because they should start them. They should. I, I, think, have I think no a lot idea. Of kids would get into it. I don't. I don't know. But I know they didn't back then. It was all about because what there wasn't even a really independent film scene in St. Louis. I mean, there probably was, but it was so far underground, yeah. I didn't know about it. I mean, for me, the big difference between, like, theater and film is, like, in theater, you have two people on a stage sitting on milk crates pretending to drive a car. In a film, you put them in a car, you put the camera on the car, they're driving the car. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what I use to illustrate it. And, and again, they're very different disciplines. Yes. Uh, and, and I, I'm some, I'm good friends with some theater people and I, I like to give them crap and say, <laughs> well, if I want to do work, I'll make a movie. If I want to have fun, I'll do a play. That's why it's called a play because oh, it's fun. And then they drag you out the back and, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and of course that's not true. They're just very different, very different disciplines. It yeah. is very different. Dif- for me, it even, I know good acting is good acting. I've heard that from all my coaches right. I've taken, which is true. Right, but there's a different type of acting for camera than on stage. You can have nuance in, on a camera that I feel like could be missed on stage, and you also have to project way back here. And sometimes in scenes, which is one of my favorite things as an actor, when you're like really intimate with another actor, uh, and you're just like nose to nose and up close to them, and you're reading everything in their face, and they're not even moving. That is awesome. Yeah, no, you can't. Both disciplines you can't beat. I've done both. Mm. Um, like the movie part of it just because of the way it's shot and the way it's put together. Um, and there's something to be said about the stage part of it too. I'm just more interested in like my comment where talking about the independent movie scene, maybe in St. Louis a little bit, what that was like. I, I probably would have got into it more. I mean, you were, you were, Brock, were you doing it? Were you, were you, or did you have to leave St. Louis to find jobs or, I mean. No, back in the late I heard 90s, it, I heard it 2000s. Sucked. <laughs> Uh, there was quite a bit of work to be had in St. Louis. Was it really? Well, uh, we used to have uh, Missouri used to have a tax credit. Okay. <laughs> that's a, we, we, I don't even want to get it. Yeah, that's a whole other yeah. okay, whole other thing. But uh, so I you know, had agents in St. Louis and Kansas City and Chicago, and you know I just kind of travel around and, and do auditions for commercials or whatever. And uh, there, there were a lot more independent films. Well, I wouldn't say a lot more independent films. I guess. It was such a new thing to be able to make an independent film back ah. in the '90s, instead of having to worry about going to Hollywood. You know, you could actually make a movie in St. Louis. You know, just not too far from where I live, and that was really cool and enticing. Because in stage work, when you go on a play, you know, you're rehearsing for two weeks mm-hmm. after either school or work, and you're rehearsing all night, and then you get home like at midnight, right? And you rehearse for two weeks, and you do or however long, and then you do your two week run. And you never see your family, and you don't get paid shit. Okay, with movies, you don't get paid shit. <laughs> but I was you, wondering where you're gonna go there. Yeah. Well, that's that's whole another yeah. thing too. But uh, you go to your audition, and if you're lucky enough and do, did a well enough job, 
you you get the job and you're there for however long if it's commercial or a day or two it's a movie you know a day to 20 days however long you're, you're booked for and uh, it, it it did pay better than stage work so the independent filmmaking for me back in the 90s and 2000s was very very cool because you didn't have to have a Hollywood move into your your town to go do it and I, I cut my teeth a lot at uh, Webster University I'd always have their, okay. would have their filming program and you could audition for uh, students and do student film and I test out different acting techniques on camera with student films and uh, some of them were horrible some of them were okay but I learned a lot from them which yeah. was very neat and then uh, how I met Chris was I was in acting class with a a local casting director named Carrie Houck, and she was a she was a go-to person at the time for learning acting in St. Louis. One of the go-tos, and um, she was also a big-time casting director. And I'd met some other actors in the class, and uh, this other actor came up to me and said, "Hey, I, there's this film going to be sh- be shooting here called Amphetamine. Uh, do you want to go audition to this thing?" I was like, "Okay." So I, I met him on a Saturday, I guess it was, at a theater called The Tin Ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had some fun there. Yeah, and it was crowded. I couldn't believe how many people were at this place to be in this movie, because I thought there's only a handful of actors. Well, apparently there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm reading the sides that are out on the auditioning uh, at the beginning of the table. You can pick a character who to be. And I, I picked one that had the most lines. And uh, I was very early in my acting but I, I had enough presence to be able to try and pull it off, so I thought. So <laughs> I get into this um, studio, or I guess it was a stage. Yeah. And I see Chris Grega, who I'd never met, and the rest of the Tin Ceiling and 88mm production crew, and another actor reading opposite of me. And they asked me who I'll be reading for, and I said this, this character, I forget the name of the character, Derek was. Key. Key. I said, and uh, well, you can't read for him because this guy you're talking to. <laughs> he's already got he's, the part. He's, he's already cast. <laughs> he's made. He's so. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> right, well, just tell me what part's ready. Yeah, right? So uh, they gave me another thing to read real quick, and apparently I sucked. But me and uh, <laughs> but Derek and I had a good time with each other, just meeting each other. Yeah. And I got cast as a a guy named Snowy, who had a couple lines and a couple cool scenes. And that's how I met Chris Grega and became part of the 88mm family. Yeah, I forgot all about there. the tin ceiling days. Oh, yeah. Damn, you brought but, back some memories. But he is actually, he is my first introduction to independent film. Okay. I, I've done Outside plenty, of, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done plenty throughout the years without 88, but uh, for some reason 88 always was doing stuff and finishing them, finishing the projects. I guess we shot Amphetamine in uh, 2001. So 2000, winter 2001, 2002. And this was one of the first large independent films shot in St. Louis. I mean, Stanzi had done some, some pretty decent-sized films, Ice from the Sun and Savage Harvest. Uh, and this other director, David Linder, had did an actual honest-to-God Western called Defiance. Yeah. And, and really, then Amphetamine. It was a big deal at the time. Yeah, And huge. we didn't even know what we had. We just kind of thought, oh, this is how it goes. This is how it is. Because for the casting, you know, we had two, three hundred people show up. And we just thought, oh, this is just how it's going to be. And uh, we 
uh, you know, drew almost all the cast from that that audition. And a lot of the people went on to work with us again and again yeah. and again. Yeah, came we, back over and over and over. Yeah, and we just worked with them yeah. over and over again. You know, throughout throughout the years and throughout all throughout all these films. Yeah. So okay. So let's bring it back to what we're talking about. What what sucked about that? That sounds fun. I mean, I wasn't there, so that's why I'm kind of interviewing. That was you know early I mean? on. There was, we didn't know. We, <laughs> yeah, we didn't know. Yeah, you what, didn't know shit, right? We didn't know enough to know shit sucked. Right. It was all fun. Yeah. I mean, I. I, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of suck about amphetamine, to be honest, because we were too green and too stupid to know any better. Until after it was done? After it was done. <laughs> that's when the suck happened. Uh, because, man, amphetamine, whoo boy, that got rejected everywhere. Except yeah. for one one place we won, Underground Film of the Year, 2004. How but, far underground? Man, pretty far. <laughs> pretty far underground. Uh, but I will say this, uh, in one of my best, my favorite critical reviews that I ever received, <laughs> and I've received a lot of reviews of my work over the years, and a lot of them are really bad. Not all of them. Some people actually like the shit that we've made. But this one, this one for amphetamine, uh, man, I will never forget this for as long as I live. Uh, Richard Tarr, if you're still alive, God bless you, sir. You've given me this story, which I will hold on to forever. Best film of the year, 2003, Return of the King. Worst film of the year, 2003, Amphetamine. So we're mentioned yeah, look in the at same you. sentence with a... Uh, Academy <laughs> Award-winning film, Return of the Return of the King. Like that's how he compared us. That's awesome. I never seen Return of the King. I've seen Amphetamine. A couple no, see, times. there you go. And you're a well, film guy. Let me. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, Return of the King is much better than Amphetamine. No, but I, I think that's important for some of the young filmmakers out there listening to us, right? And even some of the guys who come through the ranks. It is fun, and you didn't know any better. And the industry changed a little bit, right? Changed you and how you looked at things because you were just out to make a movie and have some fun until you had to get into the business side of things and other people, right? Yeah, that's true. From distribution and different things. And then you learned about what you shouldn't or shouldn't have done, right? And then as you move forward, right, you learned all these other elements that come into it. Yes, is it still fun? Absolutely. But that first experience... I think a lot of people go, that was kick-ass. Yeah. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I got shot down. And then you get to their second one, right? And it's not as fun, right? And it's this, and it's this, and the industry starts, and all this other stuff starts coming in when you start to be for-profit or whatever you're trying to do. I think it was important that you said that, how fun it was. But I will say this. We made Amphetamine as a serious film. We had serious, no, 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 no. We right, had serious right. high hopes for it. But I think most first-time filmmakers, because really, we made three feature, we made three shorts, and then thought, okay, we're gonna make a feature because we didn't know any better, right. right? We thought, oh, this is enough. <laughs> like we got enough knowledge, we can do this. We didn't. But I think a lot of filmmakers think because they put so much sweat and blood and tears and heart into a thing, everyone else is gonna accept it and love it, and nobody cares, and nobody cares. Have you said that on episode one? Yeah, nobody, nobody cares, cares. man. And, and that's okay. You just have to be aware of that. You have to be prepared. I was just watching a, a thing today on YouTube. You have to be prepared for your film to fail. You cannot put all your eggs in, in one basket. Like, this has to be successful because we spend so much time and so much money. Yeah, man, nobody cares. Okay? Just make it to make it. Definitely if it's your first time out. I agree with you 100%. 100%. But it's interesting hearing your guys, like, Initial stories, right? And then where we are today. 
and well, even insert me in there. When you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Man, it it, it, it changed your perspective. But, but that's anything in life, really. In re- regular business, you know, I own a couple other things uh, besides 88 millimeter, And it's all, if I would have known how hard some of this shit was, I don't know if I would have got into it. But you go through the suck, and you learn a lot, and you go, wow, on the other side of the suck is a pretty pretty cool moment i can't wait to get there and i've been there even as an actor on rhineland for myself i had to see i didn't see it until i went through it right so i didn't see all the shit you were doing i didn't see all the days you had to be out there i didn't see all that i saw it with my eyes sure but i didn't understand it and then i flipped over to on red night of sky as a producer and i was doing it and i went I went right back to Rhineland and go, how the hell did you, how did you do it, man? But I had that experience to draw from because I watched somebody else do it and do it right. How did you keep 150 people there to show up on a Saturday coming back, right? The reenactors. How did you do that? But it gave me confidence that we can pull this little thing together if you did that. And I think that's part of getting through that suck because it had to suck for you. It did. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Because you, you spoke something to that point. There are moments on, on every film where I've gotten a chill because of someone's performance. It, it really has happened. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, not, not yours. No, I think, but, I, think it was, I think it was me. It was, yeah, it was, it was you. Yeah, it was me. The pawn shop owner. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ooh, well, I got a chill. Yeah. Look at Maggie. Yeah. No, but I Be mean, safe, I have. buddy. <laughs> I, I have. There, there have been moments where I just kind of stood outside of myself and said, holy shit, look at what I'm doing here. Yeah. Mm. This is fucking amazing yeah you know like when we have 200 reenactors attacking a hill and everything we have explosions and machine guns and all this shit going on i'm like wow how why are these people listening to me how did i make this happen we didn't know any better we didn't know any better but yeah it's and i'm sure every every director i mean i don't care if you're spielberg there's still a moment when you step outside of yourself you step outside of being steven spielberg and you say wow this is so neat yeah I'm sure he, even today, he still gets that feeling. Otherwise, why would you continue to do it, especially when you reach a level of success? You don't, you're not doing it for the money, right? Like, you, you start out not doing it for the money, and then in the middle, you're kind of doing it for the money. And then if you're successful, you don't really have to do it for the money anymore. You know, Scorsese doesn't have to do it for the money, right? He's loaded, you know? I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> we don't have either success or money. No, that's, that's, I think that's a good place to stop for this week, don't you think? And maybe next week pick up on the money? What do you what, think? What money are you talking about? I don't know. The, the money we don't have. But what we do have is a YouTube channel. <laughs> we do have a YouTube channel. We do have Indie Film Sucks on Facebook, Indie Film Sucks on Twitter, Indie Film Sucks on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Indie film just sucks. What yeah. do you want me to say? Just remember, we're going to talk about the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of true independent filmmaking on the Indie Film Sucks podcast, presented by 88mm Productions. <laughs> All right, see you. Right, peace out. Indie film sucks. Indie film sucks. It's the Indie Film Sucks 